Good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll have another edition of the Bean Report. Also, Glendalee Allen Vossler will give us an update on the Mennonite Disaster Service Canada Hay West project. And up first in today's country comment, I'll chat with the province's weed specialist, Kim Brown Livingston. Latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us now is the province's weed specialist, Kim Brown-Livingston. We're actually seeing a lot of green stuff now. Like, there's a lot of green stuff coming up now. And, you know, we've had some really dry springs lately, the last, you know, three years for some people, the last couple for sure for most of the province. And we have not seen that flush of growth early on in the spring. And I think we're really noticing it now. We're seeing a lot of the annuals starting to come up, a lot of, like, you know, we're seeing the buckwheat starting already, um, lots of kochia, that type of thing, like kind of the usual. Um, but also our perennials and our winter annuals have had a really good drink of water, so they are bigger than we've seen them in a few years, and those are, you know, uh, going to cause some problems later on. So really important to get our weeds under control this time of year. It, it always is, but and it's really tough right now because everybody's trying to get seeding done. But if the seeder's going, you know, have someone run in the sprayer as well. We've got to get ahead of those weeds um, because they, they are really growing. We're a little bit, you know, we haven't had the, mo- the, the warmth, but we've definitely had the moisture. And, uh, you know, they're growing. Yeah, Kim, I guess just talk a bit more about trying to balance out, you know, get, getting the seeding done, but then also taking care of those weeds. Yeah, well, and you know, there's lots of guys too, if you don't have time for a burn-off, uh, they'll try to get in there really quick after seeding and get in there. Uh, just be really careful with that. Um, some of the products, depending on what you're using, just check your guide to crop protection. You'll, you know, some of them are registered for pre-seed only, uh, but also if you are running, you know, you're trying to get in there after seeding, but before the crop gets up to get that burn-off, uh, you really need to be careful that you are in there very quickly. Uh, the crop should be coming out of the ground pretty fast this year we are it's not like it's early may or late april and we're seeding into really cold soils so expecting to see those crops get up and get going and if you miss your burn off you've got to be very careful then about what you do in crop uh you want to get the weeds out of there as quick as possible but you know you've got to watch all of your appropriate staging and all that kind of thing to make sure everything's you know um everything's good as far as we're, ta- we're talking about crop staging for whatever your whatever products you're applying in, in crop obviously have to do a really good job getting the crops in the ground but we really have to watch those weeds and we have been caught before when we've had a late seeding and the weeds are coming and the weeds get ahead of the crop it it makes a huge difference Uh, you just have to look in the guide to crop protection we've got some tables there you know looking at the yield difference when wild oats are one leaf stage behind the crop versus one leaf stage ahead of it tremendous difference in yield uh, especially and so the more weeds there are you know the more that happens and just really important to get to keep watching those weeds while we're while we're seeding and 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 try to keep spraying when you can we just don't want those weeds to get ahead of our crop and uh you know set things back it's it's important to keep the crops as weed free as possible uh especially you know early on in their in their life cycle that was the province's weed specialist kim brown livingston a look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up good afternoon i'm Corey canute as we get later into may the seeding window for farmers is getting condensed justine cornelson with brett young talked about the possibility of broadcast seeding canola that's something that's always discussed with broadcasting canola seed. You know, typically a producer would go in afterwards and try to harrow it in and, and get some, you know, better seed to soil contact. It's always an option. 
Um, there's a bunch of other things to consider that way. Um, typically, if you if you are going to broadcast seed, you want to put more seed down because the the likelihood of it getting a proper establishment is is less. So more seed out there, and and that's something that you know with the seed cost. Um, and price of canola is probably something that growers don't really want to be doing, um, is increasing those rates any further. But um, that, that is something that is recommended when broadcasting. Manitoba Agriculture and the Manitoba Agricultural Services Corporation have announced the extension of the Agra insurance seeding deadlines for soybeans starting this year. The full coverage seeding deadlines for soybeans are now June 8th in Soybean Area 1 and June 4th in Soybean Areas 2 and 3. In addition, soybean growers in these areas will now be eligible for insurance if planting occurs in the five days following the full coverage seeding deadline. However, coverage will be reduced by 20%. The full coverage seeding deadline for Soybean Area 4 continues to be May 30th with no extended seeding deadline coverage. MASK is not considering seeding deadline extensions for other crops at this time. The final spring seeding deadline for many major crops is June 20th. And 4-H Canada will be receiving a federal investment of up to $1.8 million over two years to develop new curriculum and resources. Here's CEO Shannon Benner. We've got a huge role to play, especially in developing young people and equipping them for all the areas where we need young people to be um, developing their careers. So um, lots of career-focused programming, especially in agriculture and agribusiness-related industries. So focused on that sector and the huge amount of opportunities that young people have to pursue careers there. Funding is provided through the Canadian Agricultural Partnerships Agra Competitiveness Program. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Tuesday, May 24th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, Glendalee Allen Vossler will have an update on the MDS Hay West project. The Mennonite Disaster Service Canada Hay West project has come to an end. Glendalee Allen Vossler fills us in on the program and how it helped a number of producers in Saskatchewan. ICAP is the vice chair of the Mennonite Disaster Service Saskatchewan unit. He joins me now and Ike, how did everything go in the end? Yeah, we had, um, I'm not sure exact number, but uh, over 50 uh, semi-loads of hay came from Ontario to Saskatchewan this past winter. Um, Unfortunately, we had more applications than than we could fill, and my sincere apologies to those who applied and did not receive hay. Uh, We, uh, when we did this project 10 years ago in Ontario, they used uh, the lottery system where they just simply drew people's names out of the hat that had applied. And we felt that we would rather attempt to make an intelligent decision as to have some criteria as to uh, qualify to receive hay. So um, that was uh, one of the criteria was, of course, a percentage of your farm income, family income that was derived from livestock sales. Uh, if uh, that percentage was quite low, then... Uh, we were also uh, put towards the bottom of the list, and, uh, and that's why some of the applicants did not receive a... How many applications, I guess, did you actually receive, and how many were you able to help through this? I, again, I'm sure I don't have the exact numbers, but I'm guessing we probably had about uh, 85 to 90 applications, and I believe we um, have about 55 loads of a. Uh, come delivered here so uh, there'd have been uh, 
in that neighborhood of 30 people had applied that we were not able to help. And right from the beginning, of course, we were aware that uh, that the scope of the disaster was far greater than what we would be able to fulfill. But we um, felt that um, it was better to do something than nothing. Now, of course, there's a lot of people that come together to help make something like this actually happen. And I don't know, again, the percentage of the hay that was donated in Ontario. We did also purchase some at a very reasonable rate. Um, the, the amount of money that the farmers in Saskatchewan paid went to offset transportation costs. And of course, it did not cover those costs. Um, but we And we kept that cost the same from the beginning to the end of the project in spite of the fact that our, the freight rates went up because of the fuel costs. Um, so, and that was uh, pegged at seven cents a pound for hay delivered in Saskatchewan. Um, so as an organization, we subsidized that, of course, and so there was donations that uh, came from, from individuals who wanted to support the program who couldn't, uh, could not, um, could not, have or did not have hay to uh, to donate or or could help with, and that was their way of helping with transportation is by donating money to uh, help offset the transportation costs. The other thing I think I need to mention is that um, we were able to make uh, find a trucking firm in Ontario that that did this at very reasonable rates. Um, their name was Hutton Transport. Uh, they probably um, did what what they did was was below going rates of, of freight, which we appreciate greatly. One of the producers that did receive assistance through the MDS Canada Hay West program was Cornelius Beveridge, a cattle producer from Maple Creek. He joins me now, and Cornelius, talk to us a little bit about the difference this really made for your operation. So for us, it was a big relief in the early fall knowing that we'd have an extra load of hay in spite of having to buy twice as much as we do on a normal year so for us every load counted and it was alfalfa hay that they sent too so we had a lot of green feed that we could buy here we couldn't buy much else so it was a perfect ration to mix it off with the green feed and the hay and yeah we started feeding in october and so i think we've we fed over 500 bales kind of from october to about middle of may and if we'd have had less we'd have been in serious trouble <laughs> and as it is right now we've got nothing and in spite of having to pay for the feed like it wasn't that we were paying for the cost of the alfalfa it was just the cost of the transportation which it was a lot less in the transportation from Ontario to here than even from Saskatoon where we bought our other green feed bales from. So the cost was good, the quality was good, the uh, immediate response and that we were going to get a load, that was a big relief for us. So you started feeding in October probably a lot earlier than you normally do? Normally, we don't feed much. It's about a bale per cow per winter because we stockpile a lot of native grass and then we just graze that kind of from November through to end of March. 
but there was just we couldn't stockpile anything because we had to graze everything so our whole winter feeding program has been completely different this year than last year so i don't even know exactly how many bales per cow that would be now that'd be more than two bales per cow so twice the feed this year than on a normal year by having this this program in place it uh, helped carry you through as opposed to, as you said, having to look at selling off animals because you just didn't have the feed? Yeah, we were debating on selling those bread heifers, but we managed to be able to hang on to them and we calved them all out now. And there was a nice bunch of heifers too. So we were pretty sad to have to plan to sell them, but glad that we were able to keep them. We thought we might have to downsize the herd, but very fortunate that we didn't have to because the prices for the bread cows was down to about 65 to 70 cents a pound which right now is about dollar 18 dollar 20 so this being able to hang on to them through the winter and anything that was dry or didn't calve still got a lot more for price and then we now we've got most of them calved out too so there's a calf that we can sell on top of that so a big benefit how are things looking for you this year? I think it's looking good now after the rain. We had about 25 inches of wet snow in April, and we were actually fortunate enough to be able to irrigate off the creek. So there was a warm spell in March, and we were irrigating then. And then we had that snowstorm in April where we had power outage for about a week. And that was the joys of calving season and no power and everything being cold and snowy. But that was moisture, and then we were able to irrigate here again end of April and then some more rain now. So I think as far as grazing, we'll be super. Now we just have to figure out how we can stockpile for the years to come ahead. That's Cornelius Beveridge, a cattle producer from Maple Creek, one of about 56 producers in Saskatchewan that benefited from the Mennonite Disaster Service Canada's Hay West project. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Bossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada has established an e-commerce resource hub where Canadian agri-food companies can access resources to take advantage of global opportunities to sell products online. Sessions conclude June 6th. Each week covers a different topic. You can register on the Manitoba Agriculture website. The Miami Agricultural Society is proud to co-host its first tractor pull and the annual Miami Mud Bog with the Miami Power Toboggan Club, May 28th and 29th. This is a family-friendly weekend with the Saturday tractor pull, a Sunday mud bog, bouncy castles, and face painting for the kids. Come out to Miami and experience the weekend full of family fun. Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association is putting on a Fence and Water Solutions Workshop June 1st. The cost is $30. You can register on the MFGA website. The Canadian Charlet Association is holding its annual general meeting June 10th to the 12th in Russell. Visit charlet.com for more details. And the Roland 4-H Museum is open throughout July and August. The hours are 1 to 4 p.m. You can call 204-343-2061 for appointments or for more information. It's time now for the Bean Report, brought to you by Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. Joining us today is production specialist Jennifer McComb-Teru. We have some great news to share from Friday, May 20th from MASD. 
that they have permanently extended the aggregate insurance seeding deadlines for soybeans starting in 2022. So MASC, in collaboration with Manitoba Agriculture and Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers, worked to review the available data along with agronomic considerations, such as growing season length, as well as the use of varieties that are more adapted to Manitoba conditions since the seeding deadlines were last considered. So the updated deadlines, soybean area one, full coverage has expanded to June 8th with the extended seeding period of June 9th to June 13th. Soybean area two and three, full coverage has expanded to June 4th with the extended seeding period of June 5th to June 9th. And soybean area four, full coverage has stayed at May 30th with no extended seeding period. So for additional information or cha- on, on the changes, go online to MASC crop seeding deadlines or contact your crop service center. Jennifer, what advice would you have for farmers as they um, get ready to seed here this year? Yeah, so for specifically for soybeans, you know, thankfully this May long weekend cleared after Friday for many areas of the province with weather conditions looking promising this week for farmers to be able to start or get back into the fields when con- once conditions allow. So for farmers getting to their soybeans soon, these are some considerations to keep in mind with their spring conditions. A positive with later seeding is warmer soils. So these soil temperatures will support quicker emergence and reduce the risk of chilling injury. Soybeans will emerge in 4 to 16 days when seeded into soils that are at least 14 degrees. Also, soybeans are a large seed, and it's recommended to target half an inch in the moisture. In wetter spring conditions, consider the recommended seeding depth and not seeding on the deep end of this range to aid in quicker emergence. So the optimal seeding depth range is 3 quarters of an inch to 1 and 3 quarter inches no shallower and no deeper. These recommendations are Manitoba-based research results by Kristen McMillan with the Soybean and Pulse Agronomy Lab. Thinking about plant populations. With soybeans, we want to target 140 to 160,000 live plants per acre. And this is taking into account expected mortality, survivability, etc. And a handy tool we have is MPSC's Bean app, the seeding rate calculator, to help you determine your most economical seeding rate. And another consideration as we get ready to seed our soybeans is inoculation strategies. For first-year farmers, it is recommended to double inoculate, but to ensure your fields can only be single inoculated, these are the criteria to meet. Has your field had at least two previous soybean crops? Did your previous soybean crop nodulate well? Have you had a recent soybean crop within the past four years? As well, no significant flooding or drought. And finally here, um, talk a bit more about timing and maturity. You know, given our spring conditions, many are wondering how late you can plant soybeans in Manitoba. You know, with previous years leaving us questioning how early we can seed them. Research has shown that soybean seeding dates can be quite flexible for the month of May. Delayed seeding into June will result in reduced yield potential. But given our current situation, you can still get a good soybean crop. Frost is the biggest early season and end of season threat to soybeans. Spring frost risk is significantly reduced, but you should keep an eye out on your fall frost risk and how your variety lines up. Thanks, Jennifer. That was Jennifer McComb-Teru, a production specialist with Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. The Bean Report is brought to you by Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. You can find out more at manitobapulse.ca. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The federal government will be investing up to $1.8 million in 4-H Canada over two years to develop new curriculum and resources. Here's CEO Shannon Benner. Mentorship has definitely been part of 4-H since 1913. 
those caring adults that, that contribute their time, but we're also seeing the research and data points to mentorship having a, a immense amount of effect on young people uh, succeeding, pursuing post-secondary education. Now more than ever, we need young people to thrive. So the, the time is now to make sure that, that our, our next generation is uh, leading and uh, in careers where we need them. Funding is provided through the Canadian Agricultural Partnerships Agra Competitiveness Program. And with June quickly approaching, farmers will be working with a condensed timeline for spring seeding. Justine Cornelson with Brett Young talked about seeding rates for canola. We have the moisture this year, which, what, which is what we were missing last year. So that germination, if that seed is placed at the appropriate level, should be fairly good. All right, we're going to be going into warm, wet soils. Um, so, you know, targeting that, that five to eight plants per square foot should still be the goal and the priority. Um, like I said, when we move to something like broadcasting, that's where you're going to probably up those rates to ensure that you're going to get um, in between that five to eight plants. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll chat with the Executive Director of Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.